Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome to episode 171. We made it. But barely, because Ed was cracked up before well, we it, started. There were things going on that, I, never mind. We were talking about baseball. Possums. And then we talked about possums. And we did talk about a possum. Yeah, of, of all the random things. And now people are like, oh no, are they going to do what they did last year? <laughs> no. Are they going to get off on some tangent? Because we could talk about possums. We could. We could, because I had a I had an encounter with a possum this past weekend. How did that happen? I was I was trimming some trees, and uh, I thought it was a bird's nest. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh huh. And it and I you know, threw the I threw this whole big limb down on the ground, and and I thought I was throwing a bird's nest on the ground. And when it hit the ground, all these baby, baby possums, possums went, went everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Then I was cleaning up, and I looked up, and in the tree above me was the mama possum oh, staring me she down. She was mad at you. And I thought I was gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Because possums will get after you. They're pretty aggressive at times. They People can don't be. realize they that. can. They be. can be pretty aggressive. So I was I was uh, I was saved from the possum's wrath. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I can say confidently, I think, I'm the only person in this room to have eaten possum. You are. Yep. Yes. <laughs> can confirm. And, and we will we will be okay with keeping it that way. Yeah. I'm not I'm not hankering for any possum. Also, have had a piece of skunk. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, you are from Mississippi, I, so I'm not really I grew shocked. up among some people who had a lot of Cajun in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they'll eat whatever's out there. God made it. You were supposed to eat it. I love Cajun food, so I'm not cutting on the Cajuns. Well, I'll just say if you love Cajun food, you might also have eaten (laughs) (laughs) Without knowing it. Okay. So that came full circle. And now we're going to talk about our question for the week. Ready? It actually is tangential. It it cannot possibly be. Not to to possums, but to what we talked about last week. So uh, here's the question. I was raised to follow Jesus. And if I'm honest, the primary reason to do that was because I didn't want to go to hell. Mm -hmm. But as I've seen, or as I have been at CCC, and I've started to actually read the life of Jesus, I don't see him trying to scare people into following him. So if we remove the fear of hell or the future hope for heaven from our minds, what do I tell my children is the reason we follow Jesus? Is there a reason to follow Jesus right now? If eternity is not the focus. We kind of touched on this last week, but yeah. we didn't get this deep into it. I love this question. I love That's the really I love the thinking behind it. I love the implications behind it. Um, where do we start here? I feel like this is rich. This is going to be a rich <laughs> conversation. Where do we begin? Well, did all of us did all of us grow up and that was a primary uh, at least motivating tactic? that people used, whether it was your primary motivating reason. I can say I think it was probably at least mixed in with my original reasons when I was a kid for being baptized, at least. Yeah. Um, I was thinking the other day, because as we're filming this, it's been maybe a week and a half, two weeks since Charles Stanley has passed. Mm. Um, and I was telling somebody, we were talking about something, and they, they said they didn't know who Charles Stanley was. And I said, I, and, they, and they, they've been in church since they were a kid, and they grew up in mm-hmm. uh, these kind of environments, And I, but they knew who Andy Stanley was. Sure. And so I said, you know, what's funny is I think I've probably heard as many Charles Stanley sermons as I have Andy, because when I was about seven years old, I got a... Um, a clock radio in my room and every night when I would I was allowed to listen to that um, as I went to bed and I would listen to uh, J93.3 and they would play Charles Stanley sermons yeah and so I would listen to him and then right after him 
came on Beverly LaHaye's talk show. Mm. And for those who don't know Beverly LaHaye, she really liked scaring me that I was going. Well, her husband was one of the authors of Left Behind. Correct. And so uh, I remember listening to her several times, and uh, I remember running downstairs on at least two or three different occasions and like past the point my parents thought I was in bed and my mom, it was always, it was always at a time where my mom was like in the kitchen or something and I would run downstairs and be like, I think I'm going to hell. I think oh, this, wow. bo- you know, Beverly Lake, and she goes, stop listening to that woman. Why are you listening? Stop. This is not what you need to go to bed listening to. Yeah. But I remember being, that was really the thing was that, you know, I was, I was a dirty, rotten sinner. I'd done a bunch of bad things. God wants to send me to hell. But Jesus will take the punishment if I'm willing that that was kind of the thought. And it was always kind of in the back of my head was, and I even remember to the point my wife and I, my wife grew up in a theology that was very uh, deep into rapture theology and, you know, times of tribulation and lots of scary kind of images of, of when Jesus returns. And her and I both remember, she said she couldn't ever hear a train go by. Because even still now, it makes my heart go because mm-hmm. someone told him at one point the trumpet would yeah. sound like a Me train. That when Jesus returns, the mm-hmm. trumpet's it's going to be like a big train whistle. Mm-hmm. And so now anytime she hears it, she thinks, she goes, you know, when I was a kid especially, is oh, is there something I haven't asked forgiveness for mm-hmm. and God's ready to get me? Because that was also what she was taught. Was, and I remember having a teacher tell me that at one point is you have to confess every individual sin because if you if you die with an unconfessed or unrepented sin, yep. God's ready to get you. Yeah. And uh, talk about times you grew up in. I grew up in the time of uh, these things called tribulation trail. My wife went to several and, of those. Yes. Uh, Hell House, mm-hmm. those Judgment Journey, Judgment Journey. They all have a really you know I guess alliterative names. Uh, yeah. and uh, they, which shows God hates them yeah that's well, right well, it should but yeah and, and we would that would be how we would redeem Halloween is right. by we're, oh okay we're going to scare people we'll show you what's really scary yes hell's really scary <laughs> which really was about God's really scary because mm-hmm. you better appease him or else that's where you're going so back to the question now that this person who asked the question uh, is starting to see Jesus in a different light. Right. Uh, that maybe that's not, it certainly was not Jesus's primary tactic to, mm-hmm. to uh, engage with people. Um, so what, how does that inform our following of him these days? And she particularly said, how do I tell my children? I don't know if it's a sheep, but you can. Oh, you're right. You're right. It It was an anonymous person. But they want to tell their child. Yeah, it says, what do I tell my children is the reason we follow Jesus, and is there a reason to follow Jesus now if eternity is not the focus? Well, the reason we follow Jesus is because he's the revealed son of God Mm -hmm. that has, he has revealed God's final full nature to us. Mm Mm-hmm. He fulfilled all the all the stuff that came along that God had been saying forever would come to pass. It came to pass in Jesus. He summed up the whole story from the beginning uh, that's revealed in the Bible. And he is the way to do life. Yeah. So the the reason, you know, I I yeah. get why they I get why it's so clean to make it about heaven and hell, because it's simple. Mm-hmm. But it's not what Jesus taught. Well, and yeah, and on a practical note, in the end, I have found, and I think a lot of people have found, that that 
simplistic narrowing down of just that, it that often is not very motivating in the end. Right. At, at least not long term. Well, it's it's very very helpful to scare a kid at a at a church service or at a campfire and get them to make a decision or to pray a prayer, mm-hmm. which I think is where a lot of that mm-hmm. focus came from is we got hyper-focused in, and I say we, I mean the Christian world, the Christian church in the, I'd say the 20th century, uh, 19th, I think, 20th I think century, probably right. got really, really focused on the event of putting your faith in Jesus, the conversion experience was the thing. And so if that becomes the thing, well, then the thing is by all means necessary. We got to get it right, and so you know any you know anything that we can use to get a, a kid or a, an adult even to to pray the prayer or confess their mm-hmm. sins or to to have that conversion experience, it's a good thing because in the end we don't care what happens after that. Especially mm-hmm. in like you mentioned last week, the theologies that say, well, you know, if I get somebody to pray the prayer and put their faith in Jesus, no matter what happens, they're going to heaven and they're good. Right. So we've accomplished our goal. And so, so my point is, when you place that as the central event in someone's life, then these ways of talking about Jesus and, and presenting God, well, it makes sense yeah. to do that. Well, if the goal is to get somebody to confess Jesus or to be baptized or yes. whatever, uh, then whatever means you have to use to get there is okay, I guess, even if you don't teach them what Jesus said. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, so you ask, how do you talk to your kids about it? I I had two thoughts about it. One is my, my, um, my second oldest daughter was baptized this last Sunday. And so we've been having lots of conversations in the last, I'd say six months about following Jesus. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? The first thing I would say is if, if you're a member of our church, if you come to our church, you're part of what's going on and you're bringing them to, you know, to, to church and they're going in our children's ministry, uh, you, you may not have to do, I would not put a lot of emphasis on me sitting down and giving you a a sales pitch on why you need to follow Jesus. They may just think that's natural Mm. that of course I would follow God. God loves me. God made me. God cares about me. Like I never, I never had to sit down and go. Mm-hmm. I never had to explain he- heaven or hell to them. I never had to sit down and explain these things. In fact, yeah. I realized the other day my girls may not even understand the concept of hell because I thought we just never talk about it. <gasps> That's what I just thought. Nice. Yeah. Well, I thought they just may not even understand <laughs> what is this concept because to them, of course, I would want to follow God. And as my, my daughter said this time, because the way she said it is. I want to be in God's family. Mm. That's the way she said it to me. And I thought, well, that's a beautiful picture of what it is because, and I said to her, if you say, why should I tell my kids they should follow Jesus? That would be like me trying to sell to my kids why they would want to be in a relationship with me. Hopefully I have been a good and loving and kind father and accepting and patient and merciful father that they would see the benefits of a relationship with me. And that's the hope. We were talking about this in the last episode, that when they get old enough, they go, man, if I'm going through a hard time, the person I want to talk to is my dad. The person I want to talk to is my mom. Life with my parents, even when I'm not in their home, there is something good and pleasing about that. And so I would just say, if if you are a regular member of our church and you're bringing them, they may already see the benefits of following Jesus that you don't have to come up with Mm -hmm. a tactic. But if they ask, my girls occasionally have asked of, you know, 
uh, of of what does it mean to follow Jesus. And the way I, I've said it to them, and I try to just repeat to them is, you know, this world is broken. My girls, at least, are very aware of the brokenness of this world, uh, that people hurt one another, and and there's just darkness in our world, and uh, and we ourselves have darkness within us. We have brokenness within us, and we do bad things to one another. And I said, Jesus, because God made us and He loved us, He didn't make any of the brokenness. We made the we made things broken, but He has come to make a new world where. All people are treated right, and things happen the way they're supposed to, and we are the way we were supposed to be. And the question you should ask is, do you want to live in this new world? And if you do, then Jesus is the way to live in that new world. He doesn't just forgive my brokenness. He teaches me how to become the kind of person who would be comfortable in that kind of world. And then you take it however they want to have it. If they start asking, because they'll occasionally ask, what does that mean? I said, so you got to be a trustworthy person. you got to tell the truth because a person who lives in God's new world, they're not going to tell lies. And some of us, we're just, you know, Daddy often is very comfortable with going, sometimes you just got to tell a lie to get out of a situation <laughs> you don't want to be in. you got to do this, and Daddy's having to learn. No, telling the truth, even when it's tough, that's, that's what it is. Or you take them through all the different kind of scenarios, but you don't even have to get into, and if you don't, the bad world's even worse. Yeah. Um, I think what we find is that, and you talk about it from the standpoint of parenting, which is what they ask, so I'll mm-hmm. go that route. It is easier as a parent, honestly, to frame Jesus and God in that whole, well, if you don't, here's what's going to oh. happen. Because, and the reason I know that's true, is because that's the default mode sometimes I've done in parenting that's that wasn't right. the best way either to teach that's my right. kids mm-hmm. anything. But the harder thing, and I believe the more honoring to God and more accurate way of, of is to go past that and say, you know what? Do we really believe Jesus is who he claimed to be? Because if he, we do that, then we do believe he is the way to live. He is the truth. He, he has the truth and is the truth about everything. Mm-hmm. And he is the, the life that we all are looking for. And so based on that, then what would how would you respond to that person, mm-hmm. that truth, that being? Well, I would certainly trust everything he said to be mm-hmm. right. I would I would do the best of my ability to do the things in this life the way he would do them had he lived my life with me and, and is living my life with me. He is. But would I would I do things his way? And would I completely put my life into his hands? Mm-hmm. And so that right there is what it means, and I'm trying to show this to my kids. Is that's what it means to follow Jesus? It's not how do, how do I you know? Because then you start asking questions of how far is far enough, that's right. too far, and what's the line that that's I can right. cross to that's stay right. on God's good side? That's right. Well, then that's that's a that's an exhausting life. I've lived that one. It's just exhausting. It's like every conversation you have when you're a youth minister yep. with the teenage boys is, mm-hmm. how far can I go sexually and still be okay? Yep. Yeah. Well, the truth is, everything you do outside the bonds of I'm honoring the person I'm with and I'm honoring God in the way they made this person in me, which knows means that all sexuality is, be- is between two people who are married. Yeah. Everything I do is too far. That's right. Yeah. Everything. That's right. <laughs> well, everything is is going to do something because eventually 
I, you know, if I do it with a person I'm not married to, I'm doing it with somebody that somebody else is going to be married to sure. one day. And well, it, it, you know, what you, you funny you bring that up. I, I was a youth minister at one time in my career. I preached a whole message on that question. I how remember, far is too far? How far is too far? It was a whole. It was in a series about sex that we did, and I preached one message on how far is too far. And I basically just spent the whole message going, "Y'all asking the wrong question." Right. Because the the question right there shows you that you don't believe Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. You don't believe who He is. Because mm-hmm. if you did, you wouldn't ask that question. I didn't know it. I didn't say it that way back then because I didn't even know it. That's honestly, right. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. I didn't see it as clearly as I see it today. Uh, but I'm seeing it clear, more clearly today. It all comes down to who is he and do I really trust him? And do I trust him to give me the best life possible by doing what he says to do? Absolutely. Do I think I can get the best life? And this other view of, um, it's really, again, sin management yes. of, can I do what God wants me to do and get to go to heaven? Mm-hmm. And be forgiven, but not really give up on sinning. Yep. Mm-hmm. I still want to be greedy enough to have all the stuff that Americans say I need to have and not really care for poor people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not really care. I mean, not really mm-hmm. care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't want to be released of that greed that is natural in me. I don't want to be released of the sexuality that's a a part of our culture that tells me it's the most important thing about me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be released of any of those. I don't want to be set free because he wasn't right. Mm -hmm. The culture's right, and he's right about heaven. So I want to be able to marry that. Well, he's a means, and we talked about this a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. He's a means to an end. He is the end and the means. He is the way... So, you know, what I have come to realize is why would, you know, I think part of their question is, is there a reason? The reason is, is because Jesus is actively saving me every moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not sometime in the future. As I look back on the last 40 years of my life, the amount of things that I can see now that because I have lived and worked among people for the whole time, I mean, one thing ministry is, it's people intensive. Mm-hmm. I have learned so many lessons, good and bad, from people, and I know the kind of person I would be without Jesus. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It I, I when I see people, I go, I I would have been that and more. I would have been incredibly driven to be greedy. Incre- I would be incredibly petty. I'd be incredibly the kind of person that if you angered me, you would have hell to pay. Uh, all of that is deep inside of me. And eventually I crossed some lines that there would have been some man's laws broken, <laughs> that there would have been problems for me and for all of my family and all the stuff that has happened to everybody else. I haven't, I'm, I, I'm not in heaven with Jesus. I'm, I'm with Jesus in the new kingdom right now because right he is actively saving me yep. as I decide, no, he's right about that. He's right that I ought to forgive. He's right that I ought to love my neighbor. He's right that it's better for me to only have eyes for my wife. He's right for me that I don't want to, I don't want to save up lust and that. He's right about it. And if I believe he's right, then I'm going to I'm going to t- trust his spirit, which I can't do it on my own. Mm-hmm. I am going to give into the culture. I must depend on him actively to help me want to do what he says. That's the reason to do it. Even if when I die, my candle goes out, mm-hmm. I have been actively saved in this life, and I didn't know it, but I got to live heaven the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think 
and I want to say this correctly because I, it borders on something that might be highly offensive to a lot of my brothers and sisters. But um, I think if you fully live into what you just described, Ed, and this has been my experience, as you lean into that life for me, the eternity question has become smaller yes. and smaller oh, yeah. and smaller. Not in the fact that it doesn't matter or, you know, I'm not looking forward to being with Jesus when I die. No, that's not what I mean by getting smaller. It just does not take up a lot of my emotional and mental space Mm-mm. in my day-to-day life anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think because I am more secure that it's a done deal. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I think to live any other way, I'm constantly living as if it's not. And I'm... I'm in some kind of tit for tat kind of life with right. God of I got to get him on my side. And when I fully came to the, to the point where he is on my side and Jesus is right and he's he is who he claimed to be, well, then this focus that we just talked about, the person asked the question, it, it got the fear piece got real small, which I think is in line with what ought to happen. I got no a, fear and love. I got a lot less afraid of God. I got a lot more comfortable with approaching God. My prayer life has gotten better. My my walking around life is more sweet and more precious to me. I the spirit is more active in my life. Mm-hmm. As this eternity thing has gotten just put in its place, I guess is the right way for mm-hmm. me to put it. And so I would say because I, I sense in the question is, well, you know, is this going to reduce somehow my conversations with my kids or reduce somehow my following of Jesus? And to me, it's the opposite. Yeah. It got better the more I got eternity in its place. Yeah, there, there. I can't remember who wrote it now, but there's a book that's not very many years old called like Eternity is Now in Session or oh, yeah. something like mm-hmm. that. John and Ortberg. that's, oh, is it Ortberg? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I remember reading it, and I remember thinking what a clever title that was because that really is the way I feel about it now, that eternity has already, it, it is, in, in, well, there's no other way. If there is eternity, it means it That's didn't right. have a start, it doesn't That's have right. an end. That's right. So it's obviously in session. I'm not going to have eternal life. I either have life I have or it. I don't have life. I have it. And so Jesus said, if I'm in him, I have life. And this thing that I'm experiencing of saying I'm living eternal life now is Paul talks about the down payment. I feel like I'm regularly getting down payments. The spirit in me is convincing me more and more. I don't have to live in fear, not only with God, but with other people. I don't have to worry about what they think. I can say the truth, like Nathan said. I can I can be I can be wrong. I can sin. And I don't feel condemned. The Spirit helps me and goes, hey, we're mm-hmm. going to fix that. Yep. The, it, all you have to do is trust on this. Mm-hmm. I don't feel any of those things that I used to feel when that was the major thing. Yeah. You just reminded me, I, for me, because I've, I've been in a church my whole life that took weekly communion. And there was a, there, I can look at the periods of my life where that moment in my week be, was a, almost a dread uh, or a hard moment in my week, and now it has become what I think it was meant to be, a life-giving meal with me and mm. the body of Christ yep. and with Jesus. Because I viewed my life differently in those periods. I, I, I started out, I got I to gotta 
make sure I'm clean or else I'm going to eat this, eat and drink this meal and I'm going to die. Yeah. I had that for a while. Yeah. And then I kind of pushed past that and it was like, well, maybe I won't die, but I better get clean before this because right. Jesus is going to be really mad at me if I don't. And so I spent, you know, the whole little meditation, communion meditation, confessing my sins and going back over my week and making sure that I, and what's interesting was all the sexual stuff is what came to my mind. Of course. Because I was confessing that so hard that I could get right with Jesus before I took communion. That's right. And these days, I'm not saying that I don't ever sit and sit with my sinfulness. I do. Sure. I do sit with it. Sure. Um, but I sit with it and Jesus is sitting with me. Yeah, that's right. And mm-hmm. I, I use this illustration in a sermon not, not too long ago. I used to see my sin as a mountain between me and Jesus, and I was really trying hard to climb it or to, to clear it out so that I could finally just see him and be with him. And I and I changed my, my, my imagination. And then in my imagination, he has walked around the mountain and he's he's with me, sitting on the ledge with his hand on my my shoulder, and going, "We got this." Yeah, and that has changed everything for me. So, that's that is my motivation these days to follow Jesus because anyone who would do that for me and with me is worth following. That's right. Yeah. Well, and I think I think your view towards sin changes too because I yep. would say. I would say, by and large, when I was a kid, I was scared of my sin. I, I yeah. you know, you were talking the term you talked about. I think is a, a good way of thinking of it too. Just, you know, you're just afraid of it. I think as I've gotten older now, Jesus helped me see. I'm just very uh, more than I ever have been. Just very heartbroken by my sin. Yeah. I think Jesus. I think I always saw sin as something that kept me from going to heaven. And if I didn't get it right, there'd be a punishment on the other side. And now I really see sin. Hopefully in the way that Jesus sees it, of these are the things that I'm doing, and they are hurting other people. Mm. Like, my dishonesty, I saw as just, that's some ticky-tacky rule, because I told a white lie, it, telling the truth would hurt this person, and now I realize I am I am withholding from that person the ability to make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. I have manipulated you in such a way um, that 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 I, you would make the decision I wanted you to make. You would think about me the way I wanted you to think, and that that breaks my heart because I realize the way that I'm, I'm I'm manipulating other people, or you know, even the thoughts that are in my the bitterness that's in my head. It doesn't just hurt; it is it is hurting other people. It's affecting that I found out eventually all the bitterness that I had towards someone who had hurt me was actually hurting my children and my wife because it was keeping me from loving them because I was so angry at this other person. I was, you know, as I talked about on Sunday, so irritable with everyone else in my life. Um, and so now when I sit with my sinfulness, it's not like this, like you said, it's not a scary thing no. that I look at and I go, oh, God's ready to get me. I see it as this it's thing sorrow. that I'm sitting and I'm sorrowful about yes. it. And Jesus sits next to me huh. and he's sorrowful about it. And he's like, just like I am with one of my kids, you know, one of my daughters the other day, she had messed up. Like her sisters decided, we're not playing with you. We're all going to go do something. You know, I got four. So you got three against one. But it is because the one, I mean, she blew it up. She, it was, it was 100% on her fault. She was sitting in the thing she deserved, but she's sitting outside and she's crying. And so I'm her dad and I come and I sit next to her and I do sit next to her and I say, what happened? And she said, well, I was really mean. And I hit one of them. And now, you know, I hit my sister and now they don't want to play with me. And that makes me sad. And I said, do you know you shouldn't have done that? And she goes, yes. And I said, then I'm also just really sad for you. 
I said, I said, just so you know, I'm also really sad for them. Mm -hmm. I said, because they did get hit by someone who loved them. And I said, and I said, that's a little complicated, isn't it? (laughs) And she, and, and, you know, she didn't understand what complicated me, but (laughs) that's, I think the nature of the way that things work for God, that God is sad for the person who has blown up their marriage because of their own, and they did victimize the other people. You cheated on your spouse and now your spouse and your children are dealing with the consequences of that. But God also sits with you and goes, I know the heartbreak that you're in right now. That this is the kind of God that we have. And like you said, at that point I go, well, then why wouldn't I want to be with that person? Mm-hmm. That person who can see me in all of my brokenness and sinfulness and not turn away from me. But God, because he's infinite, has the ability to sit both with the victim and the victimizer mm. and love them both. Yeah, and, and just, that's a powerful thing. You just gave me a phrase. I don't think I've ever just listening to you talk, and then mm-hmm. what I said earlier—that mm-hmm. a phrase I've never thought of in my head before—that I think sums up my feeling on this is: I used to be in love with heaven mm-hmm. <laughs> or a state of being, uh, a life that I thought was was what I really, really wanted, and that I think that's what drove me in my early days as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I think what helped me was I finally fell in love with Jesus. Yeah. And I realized if I'm if I'm in love with and I'm focused all my attention, because we sang a lot of songs in my old church about heaven, and they're great, they're precious, and they're wonderful. I would never trade them. But we didn't sing or we didn't sing as much with as much love for Jesus as we did about where we were going. Right. right. And when I started falling in love with just him the person of him, the the reality of who he is, that's when it all shifted for mm-hmm. me. So, yeah, that that's where I'm, and I think that's what compels me to follow yeah. these days. Not where he's taken me. I, I, and honestly, this is the truth, I don't care where he takes me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At this point in my life, I do not care where Jesus is leading me as long as I know I'm on his coattails. Right. Yeah. I, I do not care where we're going. Because I know wherever that is, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be, gonna be better than anything I'm, I'm yeah, going right. for. Yeah, he wouldn't take me somewhere that was not good for me. No, that's right. And, and, I for, trust and for other people, that I'm going to be yeah. a benefit to yeah. other people as well. I think that's the heart of the psalmist, you know, 23rd Psalm. He says, I can go through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't fear it because you're with me. Right. Mm-hmm. And that makes all the difference in life. Yeah. So, all right. We got to go. Okay. We've gone on long enough. But... If you want us to talk more about that, you want us to talk more about something else, like yep. we said last week on the podcast, if you've got a question about a scripture you're reading these days or just an idea that, you know, you want us to hear you want to hear us talk more about, you know, you can get us talking. All you got to do is ask. We so, had somebody suggest a name for the podcast that, Oh boy. You know, I think I said it to y'all, so we're not going to Say it, but Dutch, I want to pre- I do want to say out loud. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing Thank the you. name. And one we, day we might have a name. Huh? If, well, if, if somebody sends us a name mm-hmm. for this okay. that uh, we really like, okay, uh, we might have one. Yeah, we deserve a name. Sure, you might just have one next week. We'll see. Oh wow! I don't know. I'm just saying. Jason's been hiding a name. No, anything could happen. But make sure you uh, click on the link in the description and send us stuff. We'll keep talking. We'll, Are I we don't up know. to like 300 yet. He said at the beginning, it's like 171. Oh, I wouldn't listen. 
Are you even counting, Ed? <laughs> I don't know. We're I on 171. <laughs> okay. We're not even, we're, we're just over halfway. All right. To 300. Why is 300 a big deal? I don't know. I just uh, was trying in my mind. Okay. Seems like we've done 300. Yes. <laughs> that I agree with, but not quite. We will do 172 next week. Okay. So y'all be here for that. See you then.